All right. Well, let's get started this evening. Um, it's good to see everybody this evening. John, very good to have you. Amy Kelly, all the way from um, Virginia. Yeah, I know. I, I was just jealous. That's all. Um, it's good to have you, everybody. Seriously, really good. We've got this backwards, though. We've learned that we need to probably do Bible study first, then eat, because that way we don't pass out. So I'm going to have to probably wake Debbie up a couple times this evening. Hey! <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> anyway, um, hey, listen, really quick before we, before we get started this evening, we've got a couple cloths here that Sister Esther has uh, put anointing oil on, and we want to pray for Sister Lou Dean uh, tonight. Uh, as many of you know, she has uh, stage four cancer, but, um, and we know that God's bigger. Amen. And uh, we're, we're in constant contact between her and Esther and um, a couple other ladies. We're in constant contact with her, praying with her. And I called her, I think it was Sunday, and she said, I just got done having church with Esther. I said, well, you don't need me then, you know. So anyway, she sounded great. But uh, we're going we're gonna to pray over this and just believe that God's going to move. Amen. And I, I do. With all my heart, I believe that we're going to see her walk through the doors with an amazing testimony. Amen? Because God is bigger than that. He's bigger, than, and Roger can vouch for that. Amen? So let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Lord, we come before you, and we thank you first and foremost for the fellowship that we've had tonight, for the unity, Lord God, and, and being unified in you. For those, Lord, who are, are here, Lord, bless, Lord, them this evening. And God, we pray over this cloth, Lord. We know it's not the cloth, the power's not in the cloth, it's not in the oil, but it's in our request to you, Lord. It's in knowing who you are, Lord, the, the great physician, Lord. So we ask in the name of Jesus that even now as we speak, Lord, you would touch Lou Dean, minister to her, strengthen her. And God, we are asking for healing tonight in the name of Jesus. Remove the cancer completely, Lord. God, that she would have such a testimony that her husband, that her family, that those she knows would see, Lord, and give all glory and honor to God. And we thank you, Father, for it. We thank you for this. And we just worship you and give you glory. We ask your blessing upon the study this evening. And let, let, let the teaching be understood and applied to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We, um, we missed last week, so I'm going to do just a quick, quick catch up where we are, um, and then we'll, we'll get into tonight's word. Um, we're we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to be going through 18 through the end of the chapter, which is 22. Um, but I want to back up just briefly from where we were a couple weeks ago, and what, we were, what Peter is trying to get us to understand is suffering for doing good. Suffering for doing good. That's what we started talking about in, in verses 13 uh, through, through 17. Remembering that it's, suffer, you know, it's better to suffer for doing good if that's what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. And, and we, we talked about suffering, and I don't think there was anybody in the study last time when I asked this question, if anybody enjoys suffering. I just don't think that's, uh, that's not natural, right? And Sue's so like, no, I don't enjoy it one bit. And, and, and she could vouch for that in the last couple of few weeks. Um, nobody likes to suffer. But what Peter's getting out here is suffering for good, right? Making a moral choice or a choice that, you know, you have to stand for something you believe in and, and you suffer because of that, right? Um, 
this portion of scripture, I'm going to be honest with you guys, is, is a difficult portion of scripture. And it's one of those portions of scripture that, you know, it's kind of like the genealogy. You kind of just skim over it and you read, oh yeah, that was good. And so what you do with this portion of scripture that we're going to look at tonight is, is especially when he starts talking about Noah and all this stuff, people have a lot of different thoughts and interpretations on that. And tonight, I just kind of want to take all of that and, and give you five things, five reasons that Peter gives us uh, that, that we can prepare ourselves for suffering, right? We know that that time's coming. Proof, the proof is, I mean, that's, that's true. Nobody's going to live a perfect life, uh, whether it's through sickness, whether it's through family drama, whether it's through physical you know, ailments or, or financial issues, Whatever is going to happen, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to go through suffering. Um, so if you have your Bibles, um, open them up to 1 Peter 3. Again, we're looking at verse 18 through 22. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says this, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. So he went and he preached to the spirits in the prison. Those who disobeyed God long, long, long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. Um, so there's a lot there. I mean, you can just, that, that whole section, he, Peter just kind of goes, doing, 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 you know? And then you end that chapter and you're like, huh? Right? And so, you know, there, there's a connection to it. And, you know, again, we've got to catch on to what this, power, what, what this section's all about. We've got we've to take in context what we started talking about and, and how suffering for good. Um, so in, and how we're strengthened to suffer for good. In verse 18, Peter begins his paragraph by saying, for Christ also died or, or suffered for our sins, for, for all. And the word for shows that, that Peter is beginning to explain why it is sometimes God's will for us to suffer for, for doing what's right. And we talked about that. Christ doing good for you and I, he suffered for doing right. You know, he could have very easily, he had every opportunity in the Gospels to walk away. He, had every, he, he prayed to God, hey, if there's any other way for me not to have to do this, you know, I, I, listen, I love Sean. I'm, I'm going to love Sean in 2021, but is there any other way that we can do this, right? And if not, guess what? I'll suffer for it. And it was suffering for right, right? And I thank God that he did, right? And I never, I want to live the life to where he didn't suffer in vain, Right? But we, we can look at this connection between the, the, the paragraphs and, and, and just say, okay, you know, Peter is, is preparing us. He's, he's preparing us to suffer. He's saying it's not a matter of if it happens, but when it happens. And how do we respond to that? I think you've heard me say this many a times. It's, it's you know, when something hits us, we, we tend to go crying and screaming and get chaotic and, and call indoors, oh, it's not so much, right? And, and, and we just go in complete panic mode. And I think what Peter's trying to say is, hey, it's coming. 
So I've got some, I've got some instruction here. I've got some, some ideas here to help you get, get prepared for this and to be strengthened when it happens so that you're not a Christian running around with your head cut off kind of Christian. But your faith, and you remember our feet are stuck in that foundation, that chief cornerstone that we talked about a few weeks ago, Christ. Because we know that Christ, we know that, don't we know that God knows what we're going to be going through anyway? If you, say, if you believe that, then that means when you get the phone call, no matter how bad that phone call hurts, yes, it's going to hurt. But we know that we can get our strength from God in that moment. We don't have to panic. We don't have to run to the bottle. We don't have to run to the drug. I don't have to, to go to the bar because I'm stressed out to the max and don't know what I'm going to do. If I know that God's allowed this into my life and for me to go through, keyword through, right, to suffer and to go through a difficult situation, if, if, if he knew it was coming, guess what? He knows where the end's at too. And we've got to get to that point as, a point as Christians, We've got to be able to say, you know what? No matter what come, God's going to bring me through. No matter if I'm on my, my deathbed, God's going to pull me through, right? Paul says to die is to gain. So, you know, but, but Peter's here. He's saying, hey, there, there's some things that we can, we can, we can do to, to strengthen this, to get yourself strengthened, to prepare yourself. Um, we talked a couple weeks ago about how here in America, we don't know what suffering is. Right? I mean, honestly, we could honestly look ourselves in the face and say we do not know what the term suffering is. If we want water, guess what? We can go get a bottle of water right now. If, if, if we want, you know, we've got electricity. We have, we've all these things we're blessed with. And, and there are, we talked about the, 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 the countries who don't have the blessings. We have the blessing of being here tonight to study the Word of God. There are places and countries where you can't do what we're doing tonight. And if you do, you're doing it in a dark alley with, with, with a little bit of light, and you're whispering while you do it so that you don't get caught. But we have the opportunity to shout. And so we really don't know what it means to suffer. And, and you know, if it, if it sounds irrelevant to you, it may, maybe because, like we talked about, most Americans are, are insulted from, you know, this... We look, at, we look at these other countries, and we don't know what it truly means to suffer. That's why I think this, this Operation Shoebox thing is pretty rad for these kids. Because we're going to be able to help kids who maybe they'll never, ever get a stuffed animal. Maybe they'll never, ever get, you know, whatever you, the Lord, lays on your heart, these things that we take for granted. You know what I'm saying? They may never get it. And so just think of it, you know, we're, we're doing evangelism, you know, in a wave of being blessed to someone who really knows what it means to suffer. And we, we think we're suffering, when I said this a couple weeks ago, we think we're suffering when you stub your toe. Now you are. <laughs> yes, that hurts. But that's not the end of the world. There, there are many people who, who even the, the church in Afghanistan, you know, they've been martyred because they stood. So we're, we're, we're not there, church, and we need to kind of maybe take a reevaluation and, and maybe do a quick self-examination of what suffering is in my life. You know, yes, we're sick, that's, that's you know, but truly, what, what is suffering? The truth is that normal, it's normal in most places to suffer for Christ. We're, we're, still, we're still blessed in this nation, like I said. We are. We're, we're, you know, and, but, but to be, we're, we're safe. 
there's a bunch of missionaries that entered Cambodia in the 1920s. And by the time they were expelled in 65, there were about 600 believers. And between 60, 1965 and 75, there was this civil, civil war. And the Christian population soared to an estimated 90,000. And it was an amazing work of God. But when, when the, the Cormor Rose took control, they unleashed this fury on this nation. And most of these Christians died or they fled their country. I think I asked this before, and I'm going to ask it again. If, if someone came in here tonight and said, okay, you can denounce Christ or you die, are you going to be bold enough to stand? Because I'm going to tell you now, yes, I am. I'm willing to die for my, for my God. And, and, and will we ever get to that part in America? I'm not, I'm not going to say, you know, yes or no. But it's happening in other places, so it very well could happen here. And so what are we going to do when we come to those type of things? Are we going to stand like these people that we read about? And, and this story can be retold, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times around the world and, and, and along the centuries where people have stood. And it's, it's, it is normal not to be abnormal for Christians, and it's, let me tell you what, it's, it's normal for Christians to be hated. Hello? Christianity, being a, a true Christian, now let me, let me separate the two. Christianity may be popular, but to be a real Christian is not popular. You're not popular when you're truly following the Word of God. But when you're playing the game, you're kind of cool. And so we need, to, we need to know that, that it's very normal for Christians to be hated. Listen, they hated Jesus. So what in the world makes you think they're not going to hate you? I mean, I love every one of you, but what makes you think you're so special? They're not going to hate you. You're going to say something on Facebook. You're going to say something on, to somebody that's going to tick somebody off because of where you stand as a Christian and, and, and everything's going to change from that point. And so we need to be ready that there, there's a warning here for us here in America uh, that the atmosphere could very easily change. We see it. I mean, it's a very underlining current right now. But it's there. That spirit of Antichrist is, is, is flowing, trust me. And I think it's time that, that you know, I think it's time, that a right, the right time for, for a heavy dose of this teaching from Peter to... You know, hey, look, we're, we're in a good spot today, but we don't know where we're going to be tomorrow. It, it's easy to serve God today. Are you going to be able to do it tomorrow when all this is taken away? True. It's a true question. And so are we going to be able to? And so in the text today, you know, Peter's laboring. He's, he's, he's laboring to help us to be ready to suffer. And, and if God should will it, uh, that's why these, these were written. If God allows these things, this is why this scripture was written. And so... Any comments or opinions or thoughts before we get into these? I want to give you five ways that Peter prepares us for suffering briefly this evening. Uh, but before we do, any, any opinions or thoughts so far? There's no wrong answers. All right. All right, well, let's do this. Let's, let's look at the five ways that Peter strengthened us. Strengthen, that word. First one is, he says in verses 17 and 18, to remember that Christ suffered. And I think that's big for us. I think, I think especially in 2021, uh, the type of Christian, um, well, I don't have to suffer because I live in 2021. 
You know, I got all the goods of it, technology, I got the clothes, I got, you know, everything's good in life, right? But verses 17 and 18 tells us this, it is better if God should will it that you suffer for doing what is right rather than doing what is wrong. For, for what? For Christ suffered. Again, if Christ suffered, what makes us think we're not going to? If Christ went through difficult situations, what makes us think that we're not going to be? What makes us think we're going to be sheltered? Um, we're, we're not. And throughout the New Testament, the mindset of Christianity is that our God, our Lord suffered, and we, will, we, we, we should and will follow him in suffering. Now, I know this isn't popular teaching. This isn't, this isn't going to make you go home and, and, and hallelujah, I'm going to suffer, praise God. You know what I'm saying? That's not going to, that's not going to change, it's not going to make you excited, but at least it's going to prepare you. To know that if Christ suffered, guess what? If the Lord wills it, I better be ready for it. So how do I get ready for it? Um, you know, you have Paul saying that, oh, that I might know him in fellowship of his sufferings and be conformed to his death in Philippians. And then you got Hebrews saying he suffered outside the gate, hence let us go with him outside the camp bearing his repro reproach. And then you have Jesus saying to himself, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I bear the cross. Will you bear the cross? You know, and I think that's really, that's almost a daily question we're gonna, we need to start asking ourselves to keep ourselves in check. You know, Lord, am I willing to bear that cross? Am I willing to, to, to you know, am I, am I willing to lose a family member because... They don't believe the way I do. Right? Not that I would shun them, but they would shun me. Or am I willing to, to sacrifice a friendship for God? Right? And these are, these are real life situations. This isn't just something that you're going to come across. You, you know, this is going to happen or if, if it's not already. And who are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the friendship and sell out to that? Or are you going to stick with the Lord and say, no, God, I'm going to take the cross. I'm going to, you know what? And Lord, just minister to the situation. Be God in this situation. But my dedication, my commitment is 100 to you. And there's nothing besides that. And I'll tell you what, if you can stand in that situation and do that, I'm going to tell you that this is the first great encouragement that we need to look to and prepare ourselves for suffering, for doing what is right. Because we know that this is what happened to Christ and the greatest, most loving, caring, truthful, holy man that ever lived. So we know that if he suffered, again, we know we're going to. Now, the second, the second one thing is uh, Christ has triumphed and he's brought us safe to God. And Peter kind of strengthens. I cannot say that word if my life depended on it. <laughs> Jeez. He strengthens us. There we go. To suffer by telling us that Christ has triumphed over the greatest enemy and brought us safe to God. Um, someone might ask, you know, why would anyone become a Christian if, if what you could offer them was that things in this world would probably go worse for them after they accepted Christ? <laughs> right? If I, if I looked at you and said, hey, man, come be a Christian. Everything's going to get worse. That's not quite how you want to sell that car, right? <laughs> um, you know, the answer is that the, the greatest human needs are how to have our sins forgiven and overcome from the separation of God. That, that's why. 
You know, it's, it's not knowing that, yeah, life's going gonna, life's gonna to get a little more difficult. Can I tell you, it, it, it's, difficult, it's difficult for the non-Christian. It's even more difficult for them because guess what? They don't have hope. They don't have anything that they can base their hope on it's a, unless it's a bottle or, or a relationship or, or, or something to that effect. And guess what? That's going to fade off. And guess what they're going to have to do? Go find that hope somewhere else. Me? When I go through a difficult time, guess what? My hope's in Christ. And guess what? He's never moved. He's always there. He's never forsaken. He's never forgotten. And so I, I know that I can go through these difficult times. And, and yeah, it's not going to be easy and comfortable, you know. Um, this, is, this is what the death of Jesus accomplishes in verse 18. It says, For Christ also died for sins once and for all, uh, for the just, the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God. Look at these four things really quick just in that verse. Christ died for sins. He died for your sins, for my sins. And this, we talked about this Sunday, and I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time on it, but harboring sin. Christ died for our sins. He literally died on a cross, took the, took the whipping, took the nails, all that blood flowed from his body, the crowns on his head for me, for my sin. He did this. And, and you know what? That sin separates me from God. And, and that's serious. It, it, maybe it's not as serious because we're in seats and a nice cushy bed, but let me tell you what, that's serious. Because I don't have to worry about spending an eternity in hell. I don't have to worry about separating myself from God for an eternity. I don't even think the flames will be the worst part. The worst part will be knowing that you have no hope at all restoring a, re a relationship with God. I think that's the worst part of hell, knowing that there is no end to it. And we see here that, that the greatest thing in the world, you know, is that I don't have to die for my sins. I don't have to be hung on a cross. I, I don't have to get whipped or nails in my hands for, for what I do wrong because it's already been done, Right? And Christ, I love how he says this, Christ died for the just and the unjust. And, and his death was, uh, he took my place. He took my place when, when I didn't even care about him, Raj. Uh, you've heard me say this before. Christ died for those who will never accept him. That blows my mind. He, he accepted, he, he died for the, for the atheist. He died for the, for the murderer who, who wants nothing to do with God. He died for those who will never, ever seek his face, yet he still chose to die. And he stood under that wrath and the penalty that, that, that I and you deserved. And he did it for us. His death is, can I tell you, that's one death that was innocent. He was innocent, but he took the rap for me. He, he took the rap for me. And it was for all other sins, not just his own. Number three, Christ died once and for all, and that is his death was final. There wasn't a, a, another part of the puzzle that needed to happen for this to work. For me to get hope, for me to get joy, to, for me to get salvation, guess what? His death was final in all, sufficient to accomplish everything that, that God wanted. Um, he doesn't ever have to offer another sacrifice. It's done. What was done on that day on, on, on the rock, it's done. And Christ also, you know, the debt, the debt it would be like, you know, anybody have debt? <laughs> Somebody going, hey, you know what? 
I'm going to pay this off for you. You don't owe anything. Right? Man, that would be pretty rad. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah. Free tacos for the rest of the year for everybody. You know? Right? I mean, we all know what that feeling would, would we hope that feeling would be. Can I tell you, it's that and a, and a million times more the debt that has been paid for what Christ did for us. And finally, we can see that in the number four, all of this brings me to God. Christ also died for sins once and for all and for the just and the unjust in order that he might, what? Bring us to God. He loved us so much. Look, I, I, love, I love my boys. I, I love every one of you. But it would be tough for me to say, put one of my boys up on a cross for your wrongdoings. But God said, I love them so much. I love the ones who won't even care about me so much. I'm willing to give my son. The only way out of this situation is to do this, Jesus. And he did this so that it would, might, that it would bring us to God. And this is the great comfort of, of those who have been killed for their, for their boldness in Christ. And this is the great comfort of suffering Christians, those who are going through difficult situations or difficult times. And can I tell you, our worst enemy, your worst enemy tonight is not the sickness. Your worst enemy is not someone who's wronged you. Your worst enemy is not your boss. Your worst enemy is nothing. It's sin. That's the worst enemy. And guess what? You don't even have to fight him anymore. He's already defeated by what Christ did on the cross. And so Jesus has made sure that we, can, we will be home and safe with God. He has brought us to God. And, and can I tell you, I get goosebumps when I think about this. The separation, there is none. If there's separation, it's on my end. It's not by anything God has done. He's done everything he can to extend to me and say, I want to be a part of your life. I want you to be a part of my life. I'm here. And if that separation's there, that's on me. But there is no separation. That's all been removed by what Christ has done. God is near us. He's for us. And our lives are hid in him. And I'll tell you what, that needs to encourage us tonight. That, that should be the encouraging factor right there, that no matter what we are going through, Maybe we're, nobody's going, Maybe you're not going through anything right now. But take that and put that in your back pocket because I guarantee you you're going to need it tomorrow. And, this, and how, does this, how does this all help us suffer? Because of the terrible temptations of the devil in suffering to make us think that God has forsaken us. Anybody ever been going through a rough time and you think, oh, God, you don't care? Don't look at me. I know I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one who's told God, you know what, I do all of this for you, and this is how you treat me? Right? And, and the devil's so good at, at making us think that God has forsaken. And, and what, Peter's, what Peter is basically wanting us to take is this. He wants us to take this, this vocabulary with the devil, and I pray that we would. I pray that we would, we would, we would tell the devil this. A suffering is no sign that God has forsaken and turned against us. Christ has carried my sin, absorbed, and it's absorbed the wrath of God, and I am safe in God. Nothing that you can do, devil, nothing you can tell me, nothing is going to change my heart. And you know what? We need to start taking those thoughts and, and putting, taking captain of them. We, we need to start casting them down because we're wasting too much time in the drama field of all poor me when we should be living for God and the hope that he's given, and the strength that he's given. Knowing that even when I suffer, 
I know my God has not forsaken me. Because guess what? Like I said earlier, he knew I'd be in this boat in the first place. Didn't he know the disciples were going to be in the boat in the storm? And guess what? He, he's sleeping on the boat. Right? And so we know that God has not left us. And the third thing here, Peter kind of goes, he kind of goes and talks about Noah. And this is where a lot of, a lot, I did a lot of studying and reading on this, and there's a lot of different interpretations. There's a lot of different thoughts and patterns. And, and listen, the way I've come up with it, it, it just, there's a lot of controversy over what it refers to. But can I tell you what? The Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it's perfect. We're the ones who mess it up sometimes, you know? We read it wrong. We interpret it wrong. And so it, it, it caught, it, it's very important to study but the third way that Peter, Peter uh, can strengthen us for suffering is with the situation in Noah's day. And, and after referring to Jesus being made alive in the Spirit in verse 18, he goes on to say in verses 19 and 20, in which also he, Jesus, went and made pro- proclamation to the spirits now in prison who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Um, I'm just going to kind of go with how I studied this and how I've looked at this and, and how it relates to this kind of main point that we're talking about is suffering. And I think it refers to the time when people in Noah's day were disobedient, you know, and they were mocking Noah and, and making fun of him as a righteous man obeying God. Kind of like what they do today, for those who, I mean, I've been, I've been, I've told you the story. I've been kind of mocked and made fun of, and and comments made on social media of things that I'll put on there about God. Um, We just have to be bigger, right? And stand by what you said, or stand by how you live and believe, and and don't let someone's opinion uh, change that. Um. Like the situation in the life, you know, this situation. Remember, this letter was written to those people who had been, like, kicked out. Right? They're everywhere. They're all over the place. And so, you know, many of the people were suffering uh, during this, the time of this letter. And Jesus, what, I, what he's going here in, in saying is that Jesus in spirit was sent by God in those days to preach to those people through Noah. We know that Christ is, was, is always, is Trinity. Right? You can see in the Old Testament even where Christ was, was there in, in, the sto- many, in many stories. And just like in 111, back when in, in the Spirit was with uh, in the Old Testament prophets, predicting his coming. So the Spirit of Jesus was in Noah preaching to the disobedient people of Noah's day. Now here's where it gets a little weird. And I'm just going to read what this person put, and I, I kind of agreed with it. But, but it's, open to sub- it's open for comment. It's open for opinion. It's open to thought. That's what study is. And it says this, that they, were, that they are now in prison. <laughs> I don't want to take this, I don't take this verse to, to refer that Jesus is going to the place of the dead and preaching to the spirits there. I don't take it that way. And there are people that say that, that that's what Jesus did. That's, that's not what I believe at all. Um, Many wise and good people take it that way, but, but that's not how. You see, one, one of the main reasons I don't is because if Peter's point is that Jesus went to preach to all the dead, then 
then why would he say that they were once disobedient in the days of Noah? There were thousands and millions of spirits there who had not lived in the days of Noah. It wasn't, you know what I'm saying? So, so it's not just to that. So I take it to mean that Jesus went to preach in the days of Noah to people who, because they rejected that preaching, are now in prison awaiting final judgment. And there are three ways that this strengthens us for suffering. One, it assures us that the greatness of Christ, you know, in the greatness of Christ, he, he's not bound by space and time. He was there preaching thousands of years before, and he is speaking today. He's speaking in America today. He's speaking in Russia today. He's speaking in China today. He's speaking everywhere. Um, no matter where someone may be suffering, both now and forever. And second, it's better to obey him than to suffer, or excuse me, obey him and suffer than to disobey and be cast into the prison of verse 19, to be cast in the lake of fire, to be cast in hell. And this is what happened to the spirits in Noah's days, those who didn't, didn't heed that preaching, didn't heed that, that, that warning. They stayed comfortable and they stayed respectful until the rain started, Right? And then all of a sudden, what's this weird stuff falling from the sky? That caused a little bit of panic. And then when it hit their ankles, it got a little more worrisome. And when we got to their kneecaps, and then they're watching the door close up, they're, they're getting a little worried. And then they're banging on the door because now it's at their waist. And they're realizing that everything they had been talked to, preached to and talked about was legit and real. And now they were, they were stuck. They were, they were dead. They were going to die. And this is, again, why people... Can, can be converted with a message that calls for suffering because it is suffering that will keep them out of an eternal prison. You could do a message on suffering and, and get into somebody's heart that way and say, no, I need Jesus. And third, it is no disadvantage to you to be a small, rejected minority. And that's the point here in verse 20 where it says that in the ark a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. It, you know, it must have felt foolish to be those eight people during all those years that Noah was building that ark. You talk about standing for God. You know, it was a very long time, and yet because of their faithfulness, because they suffered for doing right, guess what? They were, they were saved. They were saved. And the point is that, you know, if you are a minority, if you're one person in your family who's serving God, don't give up. If you're the one person in your office building that's serving God, don't quit. If, if you're the one person who's real, just keep going. Because you, you'll be saved and the tables will be turned. And so when the suffering comes, don't throw away your confidence that has great reward. Amen? Continue to plug through it. Because again, we know in whom our trust and hope is. And then, then Peter throws another curveball. I mean, this is one of the, out of everything I've ever taught or preached, this was probably the most difficult one. And I'd love to sit with Raj one day and say, dude, have you ever studied this one? Because I'd love to get your thoughts. Because then he goes into baptism, right? So we go from Christ being, you know, taken care of and being suffering. Then we go to Noah and how Christ was there. And then he goes, the fourth way that Peter strengthened us for suffering is describing the meaning of baptism. 
And he talks about the floodwaters that brought judgment on the world in Noah's day. It reminds, reminds Peter of Christian baptism. Look at verse 21. And corresponding to that, the flood baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And remember, verse 18 said that Christ died for sins and brought us to God. In other words, Christ has saved us. But the question is, who is us? And whom does Christ's death actually save? And that's what verse 21 answers. Those who are baptized. But Peter knows that this will be misunderstood if he doesn't qualify it. And so what he does, he says, baptized now saves you, he adds. Not the removal of dirt from flesh, but an appeal to God for good conscience. And this is virtually a definition of baptism, right? Cleansing of, of, your, of, of who you are. Baptism, as we know, is an outward expression of spiritual, you know, of a spiritual inward appeal to God for cleansing. In other words, baptism is a way of saying, God, I trust you to apply the death of Jesus Christ to me for my sins and to bring me through death and judgment into new and everlasting life through the resurrection of Christ. Let me say that again. Baptism is a way of saying to God that I trust you to apply the death of Jesus to me for my sins and to bring me through death and judgment into new and everlasting life through the resurrection of Christ. And baptism may cleanse the body because it, you know, it's by, by going all the way under, but that's, that is not why he says it saves. It saves for one reason. It's an expression of faith. It, it is an appeal of faith. It's telling everybody, hey, I truly believe and I'm, I'm willing to show you that. I'm, I'm willing to show you that. And Paul says in Romans 10, 13, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And baptism is such a calling. It is an appeal to the Lord. I, be, I, believe, it, I believe it's wise to be baptized. I do. I don't, now, you don't, it's nothing scriptural to say you have to be. But I think it's wise. And so how does this strengthen us for suffering with Christ? Well, like this, when we have, when we've come through the water of baptism, we've passed through death and judgment. And we've been buried with Christ and we've been risen with him. And we've passed from death to life. And judgment is past. There's no more judgment on our lives. And that suffering that we are experiencing cannot be the condemnation of God. It's not because you're being condemned by God, the suffering. or the, You know, how many times have somebody said, well, God don't love me. I'm going through this. Well, that's not how God works. Right? Yes, he'll pronounce judgment on you if you're living in sin. But if you're, if you're living for the Lord, that's not how God works. And that, this has already been experienced for us by Christ. And we have received that by faith. And we have expressed that our faith by baptism. And it stands as a constant reminder that the worst suffering has already been averted. Christ took it for us. Nothing that we are going to go through is going to be as bad as that cross. Nothing that we're going to go through is going to be as bad as those thorns getting shoved into Christ's head. Nothing that you're going to go through is going to be bad, as bad as nails through your hand and feet. Nothing. And that it was separation that Christ had from God in those moments. Nothing's going to be that bad. 
And therefore, our present suffering is not the wrath of God, but the loving discipline sometimes of our Father and preparation for glory. Getting us ready for, to go home. Getting us ready to hang out in heaven. And finally, that fifth thing here in closing. We can look to Christ at God's right hand ruling all over. That last way that Peter strengthens us for suffering, he shows us that Christ is at the right hand of God ruling over all the angels, all the authorities, and all the power. Guess what? That means Jesus wins. And if you're following Christ, guess what? You win. You know, you can't go wrong following Christ. And verse 22 says this, He is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. And take this one thought with you in preparing for suffering. No harassing, no oppressing, deceiving, accusing demon is free to do as he pleases. The devil, the devil can't do what he pleases. All angels, authorities, powers, devils, evil spirits, demons, and Satan himself are what? Subject to Christ. So I would ask this tonight. Who has Christ in their life? Who, who has Christ in their life? Then guess what? The devil can't touch you with a 10-foot pole unless God gives him the okay to do so. Right? We can look at Job and see that. And when Peter says at the end of this letter that the devil prowls, in, 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 in chapter 5 we'll see this later, but he prowls around like a lion seeking to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. This is the faith that he has in mind. The faith that all angels, that all authorities, that all powers are subject to Christ. And, and so this is what we need to be saying to the devil when he comes up and say, Oh, poor you. You're going through such a tough time. God doesn't care. God doesn't love you. You're just a piece of garbage anyway. Right? When he comes up to say that, guess what? We, we can rebuke him and we can resist him with this. Hey, uh, Satan, <laughs> let me just remind you and put you in your place. You're subject to Christ. Just so in case you've forgotten, I'm not sure what, what you've been drinking, what Kool-Aid you've been drinking, but Jesus, uh, he reigns at God's right hand. And, and um, just in case you need a little bit of humbleness, you're under him. And um, by the way, you can't do anything without his permission. And uh, by the way, you're just kind of like a cat on a chain. And you can't touch me unless he lets you. And he's only going to let you to the degree that your touch will turn my good for his glory. We have power, church. Not in ourselves. Dennis, I'm weak. I can't talk to the devil like that as Sean. But let me tell you what, I can talk to the devil like that as Sean behind Christ. I sure can, boy, and I'm going to. And we need to stop giving the devil so much power because, again, through what Peter's telling us tonight, he ain't got no power. And some of us, we give him the power. Some of them, we're just like, here you go. Take that power. Go ahead. And let's stop taking it. Let's, let's start taking, our, taking back the promises that we're supposed to be living on. And, and let's start begin to stand firm for Christ like we've never done. Can I tell you what 2021 needs? Firm believers. People who are real. People who aren't playing church. 
people who don't just go to church to show off or to, oh, I love Jesus and do what they want to do the rest of the week. No, God is looking for a real people, a people who are holy, a people that are different. I keep saying that I know, but that's who he's looking for. That's who he wants. And those type of people can do exactly what I just said. Stand up to the devil and say, hey, get out of here. You ain't even supposed to be around me. And if you are, guess what? Whatever you're about to try, try is going to be for the glory of God anyway. Man, what, what a way, if we could adapt that to our lives, that would change our lives. Amen? That would change our lives. So let us stand firm in this great faith and, and let us arm ourselves to the purpose of Christ. Um, you know, remember that Jesus did not come to, to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So let us, as we've already been preaching about, let us follow his example and be ready for that suffering. And when it comes, be prepared, right? Know that God's got us in, in his hand. We're taken care of. No matter how difficult it becomes, no, Sean, you, you just don't know. You're right, I probably don't know, but he does, right? And every one of us tonight raised our hands and said, no, I've got Christ in my heart. He's my God. He's who I'm living for. Then guess what? Stand behind him and, and just tell the devil, hey, man, step off. you got no power here. You, you don't even belong here, you know. And if you do, go ahead and try it because it's just going to turn for good anyway. And you're going to end up with egg on your face. Amen? And so I think, I think it's okay to talk to the devil like that within retrospect behind Christ. I do. Because you know what? That's going to make him mad and, and he's going to be like, um, put a bigger target on your back. And, and that's okay because guess what? My God's bigger. My God's bigger, and I think that's what we've got to hold on to, that Christ has already done this. So we can walk, ladies and gentlemen, with some power in our step. We can walk in some, with some confidence in our step in this day as Christians, knowing that even if we get mocked, even if we go through difficult situations, that guess what? We're going to be better than okay. And so let us be prepared, and, and, and I pray I, I got through that okay. I know some of that was rough. That was rough for me, so... Uh, but any, any comments or opinions or thoughts before we close out tonight? If it's too hard, I'm not going to answer. All right. Well, let us, let us go forth. Let, let us go forth and apply this to our lives. Amen? Let it not just go in one ear out the other. And, and we've got it on video, so if you need to go back and listen to it again, feel free. Um, but but we we... Uh, it was hilarious because I'm going to put him on the spot. But Dennis goes driving out the parking lot the other day of the church, and he's, he's singing out loud, victory in Jesus. And, I mean, I can hear him all the way down the parking lot, man. And you know what? That's, that's on point. That's exactly how we should be walking around. That's exactly how we should be walking every day. Amen? Because there is victory in Christ. So with that, let's close in prayer. Lord, I, I thank you for your word. And though sometimes, Lord, it's difficult to understand or comprehend or to teach, Lord, I pray that I've done well this evening and applied to our lives. I pray, God, that we would prepare our hearts, Lord, for those difficult times, Lord, that you will, that you allow in our lives. Let me not turn to you and say, God, why? But let me turn to you and say, God, help me through this. Give me the strength through this. Prepare me for this. And so, God, I just ask that we would, our hearts, Lord, would be turned to you completely. God, there'd be no harbored sin. There'd be no secret agenda. But, God, we're living for you 100%, Lord. And we know that there is power. There is victory in Christ, Lord, for what you've done for in, through the cross. 
And because of that, Lord God, I have power over sin. I'm not, I'm not a slave to it. I am free from it because of what you've done. And so when the enemy, enemy tries to come into my mind and flood my mind with fear or depression or distraction, Lord, let me stand and say, no, you know what? You don't belong here. You're subject to Christ. And you know what? Whatever you try is going to bring glory to God anyway. So, God, let me begin to walk with a new step in pep in my step, Father, in living for you and applying this faith to my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless everybody. Thank you.